This episode is sponsored by Realtor.com, who wants you to take advantage of your free profile on Realtor.com. By claiming and completing your free profile, adding a photo, and all of the information that puts you head and shoulders above the competition, you're on your way to receiving free leads, helping search engines find you, and staying top of mind with past clients. To learn more about claiming your free profile, go to realtor.com forward slash profile. Welcome to the Real View podcast, where Ohio realtors connect you to innovators and influencers, keeping you with the real view of real estate. Whether you're a broker, agent, first time home buyer, industry leader, or just happen to stumble upon our podcast today, you can expect to hear tips, tools, tricks, interesting information, and so much more from the experts in Ohio's real estate game. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Real View Podcast. I am your host, Allison Wiley. Joining me today is our special guest, Maura Neal. She is a second-generation realtor who combines her love of the industry with her passion for education. Before getting into the real estate business in 2001, she previously taught at Florida State University and the University of Phoenix. She is an active agent with Remax around Atlanta, leading her team and representing buyers and sellers on a day-to-day basis and considers education, both clients and other real estate agents, an important part of her role as a realtor. Mora is a graduate of Florida State University and has regularly attended the Harvard Negotiation Institute at Harvard Law School in the Harvard Division of Continuing Education in Professional Development. She is a national real estate speaker and instructor on subjects such as real estate technology, building your business via social media, customer service, and client retention. And she is also going to be joining us at this year's convention in September in Cincinnati. Maura, welcome onto the show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're super excited to be um, talking a little bit more about your session up and coming at convention. It's going to be all around negotiation. And I know you are the perfect person to be speaking to us on this topic. And um, we're not going to share all the secrets that you're going to be sharing with us at convention, but we are going to get a little taste into some of the basics that you're going to be talking about. But before we get started on today's topic, I have to ask our real view question, which I ask all the guests that join me on the show. And since the show is called The Real View, I would like to know what is the best view that you've ever seen? Oh, my goodness. Wow. The best view I've ever seen. It's hard to pick just one. One of my favorite places in the world is the west of Ireland. And the Cliffs of Moher are just gorgeous and rugged and wild and beautiful. But also, I've been to Cinque Terre in Italy. I'm sure I'm pronouncing all of this incorrectly. (laughs) But it's just these gorgeous cliffs with these multicolored, you know, summer pastel and summer bright houses and buildings built into the cliffs. And so that's just really incredible too. But any view on a vacation is a great view, right? Absolutely. Yep. Those are some memories you'll always look back on and never forget. And yeah, I do love that European scenery. I mean, that's just can't get much better than that. That's some of the most beautiful, (laughs) beautiful scenery in the world. Okay. So I want to hear a little bit more um, about you, how you got started in real estate. I know I shared a little bit about your background and stuff in the beginning, but tell us about you, your career journey and what's led you to where you are today. You did mention I got in the business in 2001. I was laid off from a corporate job right after 9-11. And 
I had tried the public school teaching route. When I taught for University of Phoenix and Florida State, I was in grad school and freshly out of graduate school. And I always thought I would be in academia some way or another. But public school teaching wasn't for me. The kids were great. The parents were not. (laughs) So for me, having a chance to kind of reinvent myself made sense. But I didn't really think about real estate as the first option. In fact, it was something that I thought I would never do. I was an unlicensed assistant for four years and always swore I would not get my real estate license because I saw the hours that woman that I was working for, she was a high producer. She was a solo agent for a while. And then she did start to build a small team, but she was a workaholic. And she actually ended up being a great example of what not to do for me personally. She's still in the business. She's very successful. But for me, one of the reasons that I didn't want to get that I you know, went into getting my license kicking and screaming was I I want to protect my time. I want to protect my evenings and my weekends. And of course, we all fall into that trap. You know, the more you work, it feels like the more you work, the more money you make. And so I did kind of get into that routine, especially when I was a solo agent, right up leading into COVID. I was working more hours per week than I wanted to, more hours per week than I ever thought I would. And I was completely burned out. So that was a good lesson for me. You know, the light bulb went off that if this is what I wanted to continue doing, because I do, I love what we do. I'm so glad that I got my real estate license and became a realtor, but I needed to find some harmony between me time and client time, work time. That's a balance that I think a lot of us struggle to maintain because it feels it's almost a guilty feeling when you take time for yourself. And for me, that's something that um, I've started speaking about a lot when I, I know we're talking about negotiation today, but another topic that's been, that's been heavily requested in the last two years or so is, you know, mental health, how to justify time off, which sounds ridiculous, right? We are one of the only countries in the world. We were talking about Europe a minute ago. We're one of the only countries in the world where we have to justify time off. So I know I went down a little bit of a a rabbit hole for you on that. No, I think that's totally fine. And, you know, maybe this just means we have to, to bring you on to talk about justifying this time off and how we do it. I think that could be, you know, another, another podcast we could do at some point, but you know, it's so true. And we're recording this just coming off the, the 4th of July. July holiday. And my coworker came in to me today and she said, how was your time off? And I said, you know what? So good. And the fact that we don't do this more often and that we do feel that guilt around it when it's such a positive thing and it can have such a good impact on your life, on your mental health, on just, I mean, everything. I was like, I just felt feel so rejuvenated. And it's so important that we take that time off, but yet we beat ourselves up about it and don't give it enough care and attention that it deserves. You're so on point, especially coming off this holiday weekend. I know I'm definitely feeling that. So that's kind of a little bit more about you in in your career. And you did eventually fall in love and make real estate, you know, a big part of your life. But, you know, one of the things you're so passionate about, too, is education. And I think, you know, trying to make that the full-time career and then transitioning into real estate. But I love that you've found a way to still incorporate that in your day-to-day job. And, And you do educate. And I know I've heard your name even just before you were coming on for a convention. So I really love to to have you on today and that you're going to be joining us uh, at convention. Yes, thank you. Let's kind of just start at the beginning. I mean, we all know 
why it's so important, negotiation, how it's incorporated in our daily jobs. I mean, just the importance of it. But from your perspective, why is it so important? Negotiation is the number one thing that we get paid for, in my opinion. As realtors, when we get that commission check, that means that we have hopefully negotiated successfully for our clients. And it's the thing that gets taught the least. For any realtors who who might be listening, think about that pre-licensing class that you took, whether it was last year or 25 years ago. How much of that class did they spend talking to you about negotiation? Probably zero. No, At no moment during your pre-license class did you learn real-life skills that we need as real estate agents to be able to represent our clients. When we learn things like meets and bounds and legal descriptions and how properties get divided. That's great. That's like learning history in school. It's important to know. It's important to know where to find that information, but that's not the practical information that's going to help you right here, right now, get clients. And once you have those clients, help them get to the closing table. And if we think about how many times a day we as real estate agents, but also just as people negotiate, We negotiate for our clients. We negotiate with consumers for them to become our clients. We negotiate with, you know, with other agents on behalf of our clients. And we're negotiating at multiple steps along the way from before that consumer becomes your client all the way up through multiple times during the contract period. And then even possibly after closing, if something comes up after closing that your buyer or your seller comes back to you about, you might have to go back and negotiate with the other side again. Negotiate with ourselves for time off, for vacations with our our families, our significant others, or alone. (laughs) We negotiate with ourselves when a client comes to us and asks for a commission uh, reduction. We're negotiating with them, but we're also negotiating with ourselves with what we're okay with doing. So negotiation plays such a huge role in what we do that it's surprising to me that it isn't a bigger topic of conversation when we look at it from a professional development and an education standpoint. I was just thinking, you know, we've done probably almost 150 episodes of this podcast and we've never had one on negotiation. So it's so true, you know, what you're saying that this isn't, it's such a core component of what we do as realtors, but yet you're right. The focus seems to be elsewhere sometimes and it's not on negotiation. So I'm really excited that we're going to talk about it today and that you're going to be talking about it at convention because wow, when you just break it down in the way that you just did, you're so right. It is nonstop of what we are doing. And, And it's so important that we have these skills and that we're doing it in the right way. Because it can really, like you said, it's what we do best as realtors and it's the service that we are bringing to our clients is being able to negotiate for them. So you kind of focus on two different components of negotiation, um, style and strategy, what you're going to be presenting to us um, at convention. Tell us why these two really stand out to you when it comes to thinking about how we negotiate. Well, strategy, I think, first and foremost, is something that real estate agents lack in a lot of aspects, right? It's not just in negotiation strategy. It's listing strategy, it's marketing strategy, it's communication strategy. When I talk to agents, when I teach business planning, when I really when I teach anything, my customer service class, we fail to come up with a plan. We fail to set goals the proper way. And all of that falls under strategy. But when we look at it from a negotiation perspective, 
it's great negotiators are ones who are three always three steps ahead, right? We're looking at what are all the possible outcomes to each step of the way. So what are the possible outcomes when you walk into a listing appointment, right? One is they want to hire you right off the bat. They don't even want your presentation. One is they're going to drill you with questions, but probably still hire you. And the other one is the, the realization that they may not hire you at all, but you still need to be there to do the job. And what's your strategy for each of those of those outcomes? And maybe there's more than three outcomes, but those are just three examples. It's also walking into that listing appointment and being ready to talk to that client about things such as, when do we do a price reduction? What's your price reduction strategy? What happens if we have multiple offers? What's your multiple offer strategy? In the last 18 to 24 months with this crazy market we've had, low inventory, buyers agents trying to convince us to, you know, show me your off-market properties. What is your strategy for each one of those scenarios? When I've walked into listing appointments in the last 24 months, and this isn't me, this is not a humble brag, this is not me bragging, this is just the reality. More times than not, what I hear from that seller is I've talked to other agents, no one talked to me about multiple offer strategy. And I think the reason for that is because we think about that when we're representing buyers, we think, oh, we have to have a strategy. You know, what weird, wacky things can we put in that makes our offer stand out? You know, how many tens of thousands of dollars over asking do we need to bid? What contingencies do we need to remove? Why is it that we only think about strategy and multiple offers when we're on the buyer's side? That doesn't make any sense. You need to have one for your sellers too. That's why... Almost every single listing appointment, I don't think we've lost one in the last 24 months. And the ones that didn't already know me said, no one else talked to me about strategy. Now, does that mean those those agents didn't have one? Of course not. They might have. They probably did. But they didn't think about talking about it because in their minds, that was five or six steps down the road. But it's part of my listing appointment strategy to talk to them about my strategies once they're already my client and make that presumptive close. So that's the strategy part. And style is just, you know, knowing what your communication style is. If you know your communication style, if you know how you react to others when you're faced with conflict, how you react to others when you're faced with questions, if you know your style of communication, that's a big step forward in knowing what your style of negotiation is. You know, are you combative? Are you confrontational? Or are you inquisitive? How are you approaching those scenarios when you're faced one-on-one with someone in a negotiation situation? And also, can you adjust your style? Can you be a chameleon? If you see that someone else is being really combative, can you diffuse them? It's figuring out what your communication style is and your negotiation style, and how agile you are in reacting to the person on the other side. This episode of The Real View is brought to you by the Ohio Association of Community Colleges. Ohio's network of community colleges provides accessible training that accommodates the busy lifestyles of aspiring real estate professionals at half the price of a traditional university. With convenient locations in every part of the state, as well as online options, Ohio's community colleges are your smart choice for pre-licensing education. For more details or to start the journey to a real estate career, visit the education page at ohiorealtors.org and then click on the pre-licensed course locations.
And I know if you just do like a quick Google search of, of negotiation and how to negotiate, I mean, you get lists of these like different types of negotiation styles, right? Do you find those to be true that there is kind of just that set of a few, maybe like three to five different negotiation styles? Is that really kind of what you find or are there more than that? And how can we really hone in um, on what our style is and how we can navigate working with different styles that may be different than ours? It's funny that you asked that because we are going to take a self-assessment in the class and we're going to talk about styles. And I know my, I believe my session is an hour. So it's a very reduced amount of time for us to cover a really huge topic. But like you said, when you Google negotiation strategy or negotiation style, you will find pages upon pages upon pages of blog posts, magazine articles, everybody from business schools to psychologists to communication instructor, you know, people who teach you how to be a better communicator. Everyone has a blog post or an article about it. There are probably, you know, much like when you take a Myers-Briggs test or a DISC assessment, there are probably three to, I don't know, seven or eight, depending on whose articles you're reading, negotiation styles. But really what it boils down to is, are you aware of what your innate tendencies are? So if you are someone who has a very short fuse and a very hot temper, are you aware of that? Are you self-aware? Do you have the level of emotional intelligence to be able to look in the mirror and say, these are my strengths, but these are my weaknesses and to work on those weaknesses, right? And then are you able to, because in my opinion, if you're a great real estate agent, it doesn't matter what negotiation category you fall under, under your you know style. If you're great at it, you're able to play to your strengths and to, to mirror or to respond to the person on the other side of the, of the negotiation. In other words, can you diffuse a, a situation where someone else is losing their temper? Can you be calm and patient with someone who needs a little more handholding or who is a little, a little more slow to react, someone who needs more data to make decisions? The best word I can think of it is, a, can you be a chameleon? And we learn about that a lot when we do those DISC and those Myers-Briggs assessments, the personality assessments. The way that you have better relationships is you adapt. And it doesn't mean don't know yourself well or, or change everything about yourself. In fact, I would argue it means knowing yourself better to be able to adapt your own instincts for the good of the negotiation, for the good of the relationship, and to get a little bit more of what your side wants in the in the conversation. Yeah, no, definitely. That's so true. It's all about knowing yourself and just being aware, I think, too, of just your surroundings and, and your reactions and how you're reacting, how the other person's reacting. I mean, just that awareness can be so beneficial, you know, when it comes to negotiation and, and how we really navigate this situation the best. In your opinion, what does a great negotiator look like? Are there certain traits or what makes up someone who's really, really good at negotiation? Well, I think first and foremost, it's being a good listener. A lot of us think that we're good listeners. I'll be the first to tell you I have room for improvement. I catch myself falling back into bad habits when I'm not being hyper aware of myself in the conversation. Real estate agents, we think we're great listeners, but most of the time what we're doing is thinking about all the things that we need to say next, right? And that's not good listening. That's terrible listening skills. 
But I use this example a lot when I teach customer service and I teach lead generation. When you're going into an appointment with a new buyer or a new seller, you need to be asking them open-ended questions and then really focusing on what they're saying to you. You know, it's asking the open-ended question, asking it in a way that is not anticipating what you think their answer should or could be, right? So it's called humble inquiry. You're asking truly from a place of wanting to know and then letting silence lay there between you, even if it's uncomfortable silence, because you want that person to give their true answer. And they may need to feel a little bit uncomfortable until they speak first, right? It's a cliche. He who speaks first loses, right? So you ask the question and then you just wait for their answer. And you're not thinking of all the things that you want to say next, because when we're in those kinds of appointments, we want to say all the great things about ourselves and all the reasons that they should hire us. But what we should be doing is focusing on what they're saying, because the correct response back is not all the great things and all the great awards you've won and all the sales you've made. It's repeating back what you heard them say, the most important piece of what you heard them say, and asking another follow-up question. So the more you learn about a person, whether it's your future client, your client, the agent on the other side of the transaction, or their client, the stronger your hand will be in that negotiation, right? The stronger your position. There's a great book by Chris Voss, who is a former FBI hostage negotiator, and he wrote a book. He teaches now. He teaches negotiation strategy and he has a uh, he has a series on masterclass.com but he wrote this really great book called Never Split the Difference and he says and I'm going to paraphrase cuz I don't know the quote exactly but he says something along the lines of most people go into negotiation thinking it's an act of battle and it's not it's not a battle it's not a war it's information gathering you're there to gather more information to help your side come out on top So if we're truly listening well, if we're asking good questions, the number of times that I, especially in the last 18 to 24 months, that I've received offers on listings and the agent who sent the offer has not picked up the phone and had one single conversation with me. And I know realtors don't like to talk on the phone, but that's our job. And that's how you gather information. Text and email is great, but nothing beats an actual conversation. And oftentimes when we're in multiple offers, the agent who actually does pick up the phone and talk to me about what's important to your seller, what can my buyer do to make their offer stronger, what should we not put in that offer that might be a turnoff to your seller, more often than not, that's the agent who sends me the best offer because they're actually picking up the phone, having a conversation, they're gathering information to put their buyer in a stronger position. And even, you know, I've had some people say to me in the last couple of years, well, there's no room for negotiation in this market that we're in with, you know, low inventory and offers over asking. My buyers aren't able to negotiate. Sometimes negotiation isn't about getting money off the price or getting money toward closing costs or winning. Sometimes negotiation is about, as Chris Voss says, gathering information so that your side has the upper hand. It doesn't have to be the upper hand over the seller. It's the upper hand over all those other buyers whose agents are also submitting offers, but who aren't bothering to call the listing agent. Yeah. And that I think is such a, 
interesting and unique perspective to look at, at negotiation, especially from the standpoint of it's not a battle. You don't have to come into negotiation prepared for war. You know what I mean? I, and I just think even switching that mindset is like, hey, like we're just going to go fit, get all the information that we can, learn as much as we can about everything in this transaction. And it's not necessarily we have to go and outbeat everybody. And, and you know, like I just think that's a really great way to look at it from a perspective of it's not a fight. It's not a war. We don't have to put our armor on and, you know, get ready for crazy time. It's just let's go. Let's go have a talk and, and listen and see what we can learn to better position ourselves to have the outcome that we desire. I think that's a really cool way of um, looking at negotiation. And I want to go back to the strategies um, a little bit when we think about style and strategy and negotiation. What are some of the best strategies that you've seen that we should be thinking about, that we should be focusing on? I know you mentioned, you know, the multiple offer strategy, having a plan for that. Are there any other strategies that really stand out to you when it comes to negotiation or what are some of the best to use when it comes to a deal? The number one strategy is the one that I we just talked about, which is having conversations, especially when with the other agent, right? And I hear all the time, well, I call and I call and they don't call me back. Well, at least you've tried. Try multiple times. Call. Call and leave a voicemail. Text and say, I'd really like to talk to you. If they just don't call you back, well, then yes, there's nothing, you know, you can't force someone's hand. But but try multiple times. You know, we all know how crazy busy our lives are in this business. And maybe that one text or that one voicemail got lost in the shuffle. So try multiple times because if you're truly working for your client, that should be part of your strategy is to beat down the doors to get them the answer that you need for them. Now, maybe that doesn't work and you can't reach them. So you're, you are just submitting blind, but at least make the attempt. And then what I'm finding is when you're going to that agent, again, with a humble request, right? Don't leave the angry voicemail like, oh, I can't believe I've already called you twice and you're not calling me back. Just try a different tactic. You know, maybe send a text, maybe send a, uh, an email. I realized uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to reach an agent and I'd sent multiple text messages and I did get a little frustrated. So I sent her an email and I said, you know, hey, I've been trying to reach you via text message, but I haven't heard back from you. That made me realize I might have the wrong number. And sure enough, when she replied to that email within 30 minutes, she said, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't remember getting any text messages from you. This is my cell phone number. And when I checked my notes, I did have an incorrect number that was listed as her cell. So try different avenues. That simple as that sounds, that's a strategy. Because whereas the average real estate agent might just call one time or send one text and say, please give me a call. A great real estate agent, their strategy is going to be, well, the text, if I don't get an answer to my text, I'm going to leave a voicemail. If they don't call me back, I'm going to send an email. And then if you have to go the route of calling the main office and speaking to the office manager or the broker, come from a humble place. Don't come from a place of, you know, I've reached out to your agent several times and they're not calling me back. Just come from a place of, I may not have the right number but I'm really trying to reach this person. Can you ask them to please give me a call? So what you're not doing is throwing that agent under the bus because you don't want, part of your strategy should be not wanting to completely destroy that relationship before it's even started. And I know that frustration can get the better of us in this business. That is something I hear every day. You know, frustration with lack of 
communication, frustration with mistakes and listings, poor communication during the transaction process. I understand that there are some of us in this business who just don't care as much as some of the rest of us. But you mentioned it earlier, the key is a mindset shift. Come at it from a place of, I'm here to represent my client to the best of my ability. And the best of my ability is not destroying our negotiation chance and our leverage and our communication with the other side before it even starts. If we can come at it from that mindset, right? If uh, Instead of being a battering ram, you know, and, and just beating down the doors, come at it a little more gently. We don't know what's going on in the lives of other people. There might be something going on in that agent's life that you just weren't their top priority. It might take a phone call from their broker who says, this agent called me and she was just concerned that maybe you weren't getting her messages. That sounds a lot gentler than this agent called and she's mad because she's reached out to you several times and you're not responding. Because I've gotten those calls from my broker. And what I can tell you is my instant reaction is to say, well, that's ridiculous. And I'm instantly on edge, right? And I'm on the defensive. And I usually can go back and prove that that agent is not correct. You know, I don't have any texts. I don't have any voicemails. I don't know what number she's calling. It's a lot less combative and a lot less likely to stir up negative feelings before you even have an offer on the table when it's a gentler approach. Yeah, absolutely. All just about how you approach that. You know, we, as I mentioned before, we don't have to come at it from such a negative perspective, you know, coming at it from that gen, in a more gentle way, as you mentioned, just to fine tuning that approach and coming at, at it from a more loving and kind place, get to have a way better reaction than if we just come at it combative and swinging, you know, right out the gate. I think that's so true. Okay, Maura, tell us a little bit more about what we can expect from your presentation at our convention. I know we talked the basics of negotiation and some of the things that you're going to discuss. But what else can we expect from your session? I'm really excited about the negotiation style test. I think that could be cool, fun for a lot of our agents to experience that. But what else can we expect from convention? It's only an hour and it's a lot. It's a huge topic to fit into an hour. So one of the things I like to do is I always give a resource page at the end. I don't do handouts, but I always provide a resource page at the end, my very last slide is a QR code and a link to a page on my website where they can, you know, anyone in the class can download the negotiation style assessment for themselves if they want to retake it or take it back to their team or take it back to their brokerage. They can also see, you know, articles, videos, book recommendations, things that I mention in the class or things I may not get to mention in the shortened time period of an hour. So if it's someone who's truly interested in the topic and they they want to know more and they want to learn more and my class is enough to just kind of wet their whistle, there's so much there for them to download, to read, to you know go and find the books on Amazon or in their favorite local bookseller and continue learning and, and exploring. So hopefully one hour will be enough information to give everybody who's in the session, you know, at least one idea of a way that they can shift their mindset, become a better listener, a better communicator, a better negotiator, but then also make them interested enough to go out and seek some more information on their own after the convention. 
Yeah, no, it's going to be great. I know I'm looking forward to it. Make sure to circle Mora's session um, up and coming at convention. We hope to see you guys all there. I know looking forward to seeing you, Mora. Hopefully I can meet you in person and, and stop by and say hello. But it's going to be a great time in Cincinnati. And we are so looking forward to seeing you and seeing everybody there. And thanks so much for joining me and, and sharing a little bit more about what you're going to talk about with us. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with my Ohio Realtor friends. And I can't wait to join you in the fall. Yeah. And to all of our listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be back with you next week. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Real View. That wraps up today's episode. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at ohiorealtors.org slash The Real View and on Apple or Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Have questions, comments, or suggestions? We want to hear from you. Email us at podcast at ohiorealtors.org. We'll see you next time.